Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What up, world? Welcome and all to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. My name is Joe Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from right here as your humble host on the Ocho. It is Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and ready to discuss, ready to fight, ready to debate, ready to get murdered. Oh man, what a fun topic we have in store for you today on this fabulous hump day. Um, Look, lists are a thing that always cause dissension. We've talked about that before, right? Uh, Any kind of list, any kind of ranking, any kind of order that you can put anything in will always get people talking. Uh, Whenever I'm on the radio in San Antonio, uh, something like, I remember one time we power ranked the best breakfast cereals, and my goodness, that got people, like, the phone lines were all up and lit up, and it was was crazy. Uh, So on Tuesday, ESPN released their all-decade NFC East team, which is exactly what it sounds like. They went and picked starter for every starting position uh, from players that played in the NFC East over the last decade, and I know there's that weird um, like evaluation from some people. Some people think that 2020 is part of the decade that began in 2011. I am somebody that believes the decade begins in the like 2020, so like 2010 to 2019. That's the decade in my eyes. And I thought honestly we were done with all the decade talk. I thought all that ended in December. You know, we had like the best movies of the decade and best songs and everything. So I thought we were done. Uh, but the worldwide leader came out with a list and goodness are they on a hill and we have some takes um and so to discuss the nfc east i thought who better than somebody who knows it very well who covers the nfc east and one particular team in it very 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 well the me of sb nation's philadelphia Eagles site bleeding green nation brandon lee gowton uh is the manager editor-in-chief over uh at our sister site bgn and they are really really fun i talk about them all the time i know we all do they're great guys kissed and solak and and brandon they all do such a great job covering the Eagles, and we have such a great time kind of going back and forth with them uh, on different topics. Lately, we've had a lot of fun reminding them that the Dallas Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb while the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. Uh, but so, you know, hit up Brandon said, dude, can you believe this list? Because it is ridiculous. If you have not seen the list, head on over to bloggingtheboys.com. I wrote about this. Obviously, we're going to go, um, you know, about it position by position. The biggest thing here, again, this is an all NFC East all-decade team. So we're talking all the players that played throughout the NFC East over the last decade, and the ESPN writers and contributors and voters, whoever it was, chose Eli Manning as the quarterback. And I 
have some thoughts. So let's go ahead and get to them. Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation joins us next to talk about the NFC East right here on the Ocho. Pleased to be joined now by a very special guest. You know him. You have been trolled by him. The one, the only manager, editor-in-chief, and again, troll extraordinaire from Bleeding Green Nation, our very special friends across the SB Nation network. Brandon Gowden. Brandon, BLG, how goes it? RJ, always glad to join you here. Uh, I Speaking on the troll front, I feel like I have something cooking in the works. I don't know when it'll be out, but uh, it'll be out there, and I think Cowboys fans will like it, so um i'm trying to think about the last um headline you had that might have uh trolled cowboys fans um <laughs> it's tough um you know the the all-time what was your headline when jason witten returned um oh man it was like uh, cowboys bring back uh or cowboys sign like horrible monday night football analyst or something like that that was that was a classic one uh, I, I pulled it up right here. Cowboys bring back 37-year-old failed color commentator to play tight end for them. That's, that's true. That, I mean, just it's it, not even an opinion. It's just an objective truth. It um it kind of went that way. Like if we're being honest, um I was talking. I we did like a thing like what has changed the most uh, in the minds of Cowboys fans over the last year. And the thing I thought was arguably number one was the perception of Witten because so many people mm-hmm. at the time were like, oh, like gold jacket, Witt's coming back, and now they hate him. Um, but, yeah, that, that is what it is. We're typically on opposite ends of, uh, of a fence, but I feel like, it, it, like there has to be a catastrophic event um, for Cowboys fans and Eagles fans to get aligned on something. And um, <laughs> so we're recording on Tuesday. ESPN released an all-decade team for the NFC East. I think they did every division. Um, And so they had their ESPN writers and reporters uh, put this together. And I don't know if it was just the four of them. I don't know if they solicited more opinions than that. Um, But anytime you make a list like this, this time of year, as you know, Brandon, uh, there are takes. And it is very difficult to get past the first name on the list. The all-NFC East team quarterback for the last decade is Eli Manning what is the what is the Eli stat that you've had forever um about like the Eagles victories or or it's about Donovan McNabb or something right yep I was gonna bring this up uh so Eli Manning is 20 or sorry he's four and 20 in his last 24 games against the Eagles and Donovan McNabb also has four wins in those last 24 games so Eli Manning and Donovan McNabb, who again wasn't hasn't been with the Eagles since 2010, so 10 years now. Uh, the, literally really, the decade that we're talking about. <laughs> yes, the decade that we're in, Donovan McNabb has the same amount of wins for the Eagles as Eli Manning does against the Eagles. Wow. Um, so Eli Manning and his New York Giants won the Super Bowl in 2011, and that seems – I think it's a combination of this factor – with the fact that he played, and I'm using that term somewhat loosely, uh, for the entire decade, which is why um, they chose him. Now, my first reaction was uh, that this should have been Tony Romo, uh, but then I thought about it for another second, and I honestly think you can put Dak or Carson above Eli for the whole decade, and I honestly Mm -hmm. think you could put Washington Kirk Cousins above Eli. I don't know. Like, Do you agree with that? Do you think would you take all four of them above Eli? 
I just don't think it can be Eli Manning. Like when you look at how his career has gone, especially in this decade, like this, well, how was this decade defined Eli Manning? I mean, yeah, Super Bowl in 2011. I am going to sound extremely homerish with what I'm about to say, but like that Super Bowl was incredibly fluky. It was, I am, I will never not believe that. Like I will die on the hill that that run in particular, like so many crazy things went right. And now every championship run, you know, involves that to some extent, but like this was crazy. I mean, you look back to that Packers game and there's like a hail Mary at the end of the first half. You also yeah. have like, there was so many drop passes by the Packers in that game. It was like insane. And then, and then the 49ers the, title game the and game. the, who was it? The, the, the Niners return man that like Kyle the ball, Williams. Yeah. I, like that's such a, you're right. Like, and like, even I'm mean, now I sound homerish, but they, <laughs> if, and I don't even want to talk about week 17, but on December 11th of 2011, the Cowboys hosted the giants on Sunday night football and that was the Jason Pierre-Paul block game, whatever. But if Miles Austin does not lose a ball in the lights of what was then Cowboys Stadium, then the Cowboys win that game and the Giants never win the division. And then this never happens. And so, like, if, if, you, can, if you can take away, like, the thing that puts Eli on this list that easily, I don't understand how he's on this list. Yeah, he didn't dominate the division. Like, no one – who was ever afraid of Eli? Was anyone in the division ever, like, oh, no, Eli Manning? I mean, what, as, what, from what an was Eagles even, perspective. What was his peak? Like, what, in, I, I don't even – like, you're, you're – that's a aggressive – not aggressive, but, like, that's, like, okay, he was – he dominated. I'm just – like, when was he, like, really good in, in, in yeah. this whole decade? When? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, when was he ever, like, the top or even, like, a top three quarterback in the league? When were you ever, in like, the wow, Eli Manning? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like the the thing for me. So I and I hate just relying on on the Super Bowl win. But if if those are the rules of engagement, if if you're looking at wins in six of these years of this decade, the the, the most previous decade, he individually has a record below 500. And last year's obviously <laughs> sort of flawed because he only played four games. But so that's a truth. They won. The Giants won double digit games once in this whole decade. And that was the yeah. 2016 team that was really more that, that defensive line with Olivier Vernon and whatnot. Um, and so I, I just, I, th this is, there are lazy things and you see those all the time. Um, th this is the laziest possible take, I think to say Eli's the best quarterback. Again, I, I, I would still take Washington Kirk cousins. Like the, the peak of Kirk in Washington is better than any peak of Eli over this whole decade. Yeah, and I'm not a Cousins guy, so I'm not going to be the one banging that drum, but I, I get, like, what you're saying. I, it's just it, – it can't be Eli to me. It just can't. Like you said, like, the, what, below 500 again? And that year they had double-digit wins in 2016. Not only was it from the defense, but they also had, like – I think they had one of the easiest schedules in the league that year. Like, they were beating cupcake teams, like, every single week. I remember just looking at their schedule, and I was like, they like, the Browns, and then there's a murderer's row of terrible teams. And I was just like, this team isn't good. And it was easy to see them regress the next year. Like, it was easy to see that regression coming because you could be like, this isn't actually a good team. So, yeah, uh, I, I just don't – I just don't get it. Like, I don't get how you can look back at that. Like, no one's going to think of it that way. No one's going to look back at, like, the run from 2010 to 2020 and be like, Eli Manning, yeah, wow, I remember him. Like, no, they're not. Well, and, like, people, like, because, so I've been tweeting about this all day, and some people are saying, well, he, he should be the quarterback by default because he played the whole decade. And that's so stupid <laughs> to me because, because he, like, Eli 
I, I don't want to say it this way, but like Eli was more like a Giants mascot the last three years than he was a starting quarterback. And you know who does not get enough props? And like, I'm admittedly not, you know, reading all the comments at Big Blue View or anything, but Ben McAdoo was the first dude who was like, you know what? Um, <laughs> this guy's a little washed and maybe we shouldn't be starting him forever. And I, I really believe, and that has set their organization back, that they, you know, reverse corrected that they went like they reversed in that they went supremely loyal to Eli from that moment on until Daniel Jones, because of how bad they felt for the fact that Ben McAdoo benched him. It's insane. I mean, they, they literally passed on taking a quarterback at number two, what in 2018 to take a right. running back number yeah. two, just because like they still had loyalty to Eli. It's, it's crazy. They easily overstayed his welcome and really not to his fault. It's really more that the giants just, kept on to him like way too long so yeah he shouldn't get credit for that like they should have gotten rid of him way sooner like he was ineffective you don't just get like credit for being great when you're you're, you're terrible here and again <laughs> his last three years he had what he had nine wins total here and uh he had what, 26 losses like yeah come on who is the quarterback the, the nfc east all decade quarterback in your estimation I guess there isn't a great one, right? Like, there's not like one obvious guy. It's like you right. kind of said, like you make your case. You could you could argue Pete Cousins. Um, I would not because he, <laughs> he doesn't win much uh, of consequence. Um, obviously, Dak and Wentz. I think I think that's really what it is. I think when you and maybe that's just recency bias setting in. You know, they only came in 2016 too, so it's kind of tough. You're just throwing away everything that happened. Um, I know you said Tony Romo could make the case there, and I guess that's that's true. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really think there's one definitive guy. I think that's kind of the, I think that's the issue here. And that's probably why, why Eli ended up being the guy. Cause there's not like one clear definitive answer. I should have had uh, Michael kissed on cause he would have said Dak. Um, I know he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's chosen sides uh, in, in, in the debate. Um, okay. I don't want to spend the whole thing on, on the quarterback. Um, but that's a really curious choice. And the other thing is if, if you're looking at the, the list that they put out, this is supposed to be for the last decade, and it literally says Eli Manning Giants 2004 to 2019. Why does 2004 through 2009 matter uh, if it's just yeah. for the last decade? But whatever. Um, so there are two running backs on this list. I think this is very fair. LaShawn McCoy and Zeke Elliott. I don't think there are any running backs that come – maybe Saquon if you are, like, trying to prove a point, uh, but the mm. sample size is way too small there. Yeah, I mean, Shady is the Eagles' all-time leading rusher, even though he only played from, you know, the years he did, 2009 to, to 14 there. I mean, he was he was great. He had that, um, obviously, amazing season when he was the NFL's leading rusher in 2013. He capped off uh, that season with the win over the Cowboys in Week 17 uh, against Matt Castle and that – in that team no that uh, was against um kyle orton oh yeah sorry yes true sorry wrong year yeah kyle orton uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so so i think those are those are definitely the right the, like no argument yeah the matt castle win you're talking about that was the um was it jordan matthews that had the walk-off touchdown yes um that was a bummer um that was the demarco year in philly um which to yes. the point of this i feel like this isn't isn't said enough so LaShawn in 2013, DeMarco in 2014, Zeke in 16 and 18, four mm -hmm. of the of this years of this decade's years featured an NFC East leading rusher, uh, which is you know pretty cool. And a couple of those didn't return, like Shady didn't return, or am I thinking of this wrong? 
Not so Shady was 2013, right? And then yeah, so he did return 14. Okay, yeah. And then got traded, right? And then Demarco didn't return after yeah. his year because then he went to uh-huh. Philly. Um, that was there's you. I remember you did this what if, uh, and it was what was it about Teddy Bridgewater, or yeah. um, and and so there's a what if, what if Demarco never you know has the falling out in Philly? I wonder, like the what if I wonder is what if the Eagles don't end up with the Garrett Blunt, don't trade for Jay Ajayi, and I don't know that they win the Super Bowl in 2017 because DeMarco was not even as good as they were in that particular year. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, okay, well, that this this is see, this is the good part of the list. Like, just why couldn't you have applied these same principles uh, to the whole, <laughs> you know, list? But um, so two receivers, Odell Beckham Jr. and Dez Bryant. I think Dez is – easily the case for honestly number one um Mm -hmm. odell's sample size here is way too small uh for me it was great but it was way too small i would honestly argue i think for deshaun jackson over odell Mm. yeah so deshaun was here for 2010 2011 2012 2013 then he was gone he came back last year but obviously only really played in one game so that doesn't really do anything to move the needle um obj had like yeah, maybe not fame. now that you say that yeah yeah <laughs> maybe not. obj had like hall of fame pace i would i would definitely put him above i i would i was thinking deshaun jackson in my head when i saw those two i was like hmm so i think i think deshaun's number three there uh because you have to well actually hmm i didn't think uh, so if we're in counting if we're counting all nfc's because i'm just thinking eagles here if you're counting for washington deshaun too actually oh, he probably should be in there that's a great point um that's a really great point. And for what it's worth, by the way, I would honestly argue RG3 over Eli. I mean, because the the peak of even though it was peak, one year was so much greater than anything we saw from Eli Manning. But that's mm-hmm. moving backwards. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see Deshaun um, on this list. I mean, Tampa Bay Deshaun was whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, if, if you wanted to tell me Deshaun was your other receiver instead of Odell, I'd be fine with it. But I think we both agree Dez is, um, is the man. Um, you know, <laughs> I think Dez was the best receiver in the NFC East collectively over the last decade. All right. Um, okay. That's, that sounds like an agreement to me. Uh, but <laughs> um, the offensive line is hard to find any holes with. Um, mm, I, I disagree. I, <laughs> oh, oh, so, oh, I'm going to guess. So the offensive line – uh, they, they've picked Tyron Smith and Jason Peters at tackles, which I think mm-hmm. is really unfair to Trent Williams. I, I, like, I don't like that it's two left tackles, um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Brandon Brooks, and uh, apologies uh, to all Eagles fans uh, that were recording this the day after that horrible news uh, about his season. And Zach Martin, I don't think there's any debate there, but I think where you have a problem is you're going to argue Jason Kelsey over Travis Frederick. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey has more longevity. You know, he's been starting what I think since 2011. And so he has, he has Frederick beat on longevity, especially because Frederick missed the season in there. Um, uh, Kelsey also has three first team all pros to Frederick's just one. Um, also mm-hmm. has a Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Kelsey, I know Frederick's really good. I think Kelsey should be the guy there though. And he's I- such a unique player. I don't know. I think that perhaps, like, if, if you took the their absolute peaks, like the best versions of themselves, maybe Travis Frederick has has the peak, right? But see, the longevity argument here is way more applicable, right? Because they're they're much closer, and so like then you can use longevity as this legitimate argument, as opposed to like right. with Eli, it's this random outlier. Um, 
I, I can, I can swallow that. I mean, ultimately if, if that's where we have to go, but see like that, that slide is still not as egregious as the Eli one. That's just, yep. you know, um, but okay, fine. That's okay. So we, we mm-hmm. made it through the rest of the offense relatively unscathed. The defensive line. Now they have listed Justin Tuck as a defensive tackle. I'm not certain why, but Fletcher Cox, uh, there's no debate there unless you want to, you know, throw Jason Hatcher or Henry Melton in the mix. That's up to you. Uh, but Demarcus Lawrence and Jason Pierre-Paul as the edge rushers. Your thoughts? Well, you skipped over Jason Witten here. I noticed. Oh, I did. Oh, man, that's my bad. Uh, well, for this decade, um, I think so. But I still, I think peak Zach Ertz is – see, this is a different one because the peak of Zach Ertz there's a sizable gap between the peak of, of that and, and Jason Witten's peak, but Jason Witten was still fairly elite for the first half of this decade. And, but I do think he gets the bump of like hall of fame candidacy, uh, which is why they put him on this list. Yeah. I think it's close though. Cause I mean, Ertz broke Witten's record for single season uh, receptions by tight end. So that's definitely a big notch on his belt. And you also, I mean, how many Super Bowl winning touchdown catches does Jason Witten have? It's a questionable touchdown Ertz? catch, though. I mean, it's, was it a catch? Oh, no, I mean, no, 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 no. It's definitely, I mean, it's not. He, he has four steps before he even breaks the plane. And then he still, even once the ball is out of control, it never hits the ground. It bounces up into the air and it lands back onto him. So it, it never, like, it, hit, it never hit the ground. Well, anyway. By this logic, though, if we were to hypothetically say that Zach Ertz is the best tight end in the NFC East over the last decade, that would seemingly make Jeff Heath one of the best safeties for stopping him uh, on a critical fourth down two years ago in Philadelphia. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's – see, actually, I'm down to put Zach Ertz there because I I just glossed over Witten. Like, the fact that it's mm-hmm. that easy to gloss over – and it, I do think that 2019 Witten really sets him back. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that, count. I feel like yeah, that's count. Yeah, exactly. Him. Like, and I, I think that that took a lot of air out of the balloon, so to speak. Um, I mean, I don't know how well y'all followed that, but there were Cowboys fans. Blake Jarwin might be very good, but there are people who are so irate that Witten took away time from Blake Jarwin's career development, and and in a way, like out of some sort of like nepotism from the organization. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, um getting getting back to what you asked i guess though about, about the edge rushers um yeah i can't really argue here um the eagles obviously haven't had a, a like a true dominant guy i mean trent cole earlier but he you know he wasn't with the team on, he, he was with the team only through 2014 mm-hmm. um brandon graham has never really been like that elite guy although i love him and uh obviously a, uh, just a really funny dude. I don't know if you saw All or Nothing, but he was just the way he was roasting Leo Collins. His, uh, yeah, his that was not fun. Me. Um, <laughs> that's okay, though. That's okay. Um, see, and on, back to Lyle, if we're talking purely right tackles, if, if they did this mm. in, in 10 years, Lyle might make that list. Like, if he's if we're just specifying right tackle specifically. but obviously, Over Lane Johnson? Well, I'm talking – I'm extrapolating, like, over the next decade. Um, okay. There's no gotcha. – you know what gotcha. I mean? Um, but, yeah, see, like, this is the – this was the Giants category to win. You know what I mean? The defensive yeah. line. Um, like, and if you're going to lean on the 2011 team, this is where they should shine. And so that's why, like, Jason Pierre-Paul being there and Justin Tuck being there makes sense to me. I could not, like, believe that Jason Pierre-Paul played from 2010 to 2017. Like, I knew that, but seeing it again was kind of – uh, a nerve yeah. like that that it was that long of a stretch you know what i mean yeah for sure support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent 
You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, linebackers. I... <laughs> I, I, see like i don't like listing demarcus Ware as a linebacker i don't think that's fair i think you agree yeah, wait, why is he here twice that's garbage uh he's not here he, that you're seeing demarcus lawrence oh, sorry. oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. that happens like, that happens minute. um but also like demarcus Ware's peak decade was the decade before this if we're being honest um yeah. because the peak we saw of him in this particular decade was in denver but so I don't like listing him as a linebacker, but I do think he belongs on this list, wherever that may be. Um, mm-hmm. Jason or Sean Lee is a fine selection. And again, his, I mean, when, when Sean Lee's been on, he's been incredible, but it's just been so far and few in between. And then Ryan yeah. Kerrigan, your thoughts. I think Ryan Kerrigan, like perennially underrated, but a lot of that's just the team he plays for. This is so, I, I didn't really look at this closely earlier. This is like really cheating. You, like these guys are not, Right, like these are they're edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is just a, a cheap way to get where Henry Kerrigan on the list. I guess like it might be okay to do this because the linebackers actually there haven't really been great NFC linebackers, have there? Like lasting ones over this decade. I mean, I would put Sean Lee on there for sure, but like, like who else are you really putting in there? Like, am I am I forgetting guys? The, the Giant. I don't think the Giants have anyone great. Washington, I mean. Uh, like I'll go back to that Matt Castle game. Jordan Hicks like had the pick six in that I was game. Thinking about Hicks. Like yeah. Jordan Hicks doesn't get a, a lot of credit. I can't even really name a Giants linebacker over this last Same. game. Um, I'm thinking of like Antonio Pierce still, which is forever. Right. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's. I mean, it's that is very strange. Um, and I I think that that's interesting how that happens. Like by division, like there's like a million mm-hmm. linebackers in the AFC North that we could name. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But that like that's just i guess nfc east football you know um like it it says something that sean lee is maybe the best pure linebacker that the division has had um yeah and that he's he's been relatively not disappointing but there's a lot of what if um to him specifically but yeah like ryan kerrigan being on he's the only 
Washington defender that legitimately deserves to be on this list in my mind. Um, I know Landon Collins kind of cheats in because he just recently joined the team last year, mm-hmm. but um, but Ryan Kerrigan's great. Uh, the corners, this was, I think, our, our largest point of general fascination because the quarterback thing was so lame. D'Angelo Hall and Dominique Rogers Cromartie. <laughs> How did I... this happen? <laughs> I was thinking about, I was like, wait a minute, why is DRC on here? And because he wasn't good with the Eagles, that's for sure. And then I guess he had like a couple good years with the Giants. I think there was like a year or two that he had that was kind of good there. Well, he was on that that 2016 team that was good. And I think he gets some of the pop from that. For sure. See, D'Angelo Hall's like the Eli Manning choice of corner share. Like it's just longevity. You, you know, like I, I would, I would argue maybe I'm a homer. I would argue for Brandon Carr. Like I, I, Brandon Carr was a really good corner. He he was not elite and he didn't, he wasn't, you know, in many people's opinions worth what the Cowboys paid for him in 2012, but he was really, really good. He never missed a start. Um, I mean, and, and he was really valuable off the field, but that's a whole different thing. But I like, I would put Brandon Carr in here over Dominic Rogers Cromartie. Yeah, so I'm looking back at Hall's stats, and he actually did have, what, he had six, three, four, four uh, interceptions in, from 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. So he did start off the decade stronger, I guess, than I really remembered, uh, but then really just fizzled after that, like from 2014, 2017, didn't even have a single pick. So you're really kind of going off a small sample there. But yeah, I, mean, I can't tell you uh, any Eagles players that deserve to be on this list for corner. I mean unless you want to like include Brandon Boykin, but it's just, it's not big enough well, of a sample. If we're going back to the beginning of the decade here, Brandon, Namdi Asimov, let's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's, you know, put him on there. Um, I, I mean, I, I, Brandon Carr's the only cowboy I could really make a case for um, truly, maybe even I'm, and certainly not for his contributions to the Eagles, maybe even Orlando Scandrick. And there's a, a longevity factor there as well. Right. So, I mean, I get that, you know, by the way, as we're recording, um, somebody quoted my tweet with this and said, LMAO, Travis Frederick being a better center than Jason Kelsey. Uh, so <laughs> so that's, uh, that's floating out there. Malcolm Jenkins at safety, uh, not at all a shocker. That's super no obvious. Um, and then Landon Collins at strong safety. I, I mean, I suppose that makes sense. And again, the fact that he's been in the division for half of this decade is kind of uh, bewildering. Um, but that I, I don't, I mean, there's no contender on the Cowboys to throw in above Landon Collins, at least. Yeah, Collins had that really good season again when the Giants were good that one year in 2016. He was actually kind of getting like defensive player of the year buzz that season. Um, so he had a really good peak. I guess he really hasn't any been anything special since, but he gets you know the name recognition because of went to Alabama, you know, right. was getting that first round pick buzz before he ended ended up getting taken in the second, and he got that big contract last year or a couple of years ago now. So yeah, I, I get that. I don't even think I know who else it would be. Like, I can't think from the Eagles uh, who that would be. Cowboys haven't had good safeties in like Jeff forever, Heath. right? No, yeah, yeah, Jeff Heath. Um, Honestly, though, the the Landon Collins thing that I remember most over his tenure was his first game because he trash-talked Tony Romo, and then Romo had that game-winning comeback against him, which was awesome. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that is what it is. But And on it, like going back to that year 2015, I would honestly argue that Sam Bradford's peak was better than anything Eli Manning did across <laughs> the whole decade. Like, just, again, oh, like I, I just uh, – special teams – 
the return man is whatever. I'm not going to argue against Darren Sproles. That's totally yeah, fine. That's the right one. Um, Dan Bailey at kicker, again, really obvious. And then Tressway at punter. Chris Jones yep. was a really great punter early on. Um, had the incredible 30-yard uh, fake punt against the Eagles in 2016 as well. Um, but um, whatever. Tressway, that's fine. And here's yep. the other thing. The coach here is Doug Peterson. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, but – you know, how can – if you're going to, like, say Eli's the quarterback, how are you not arguing for Tom Coughlin as the coach at that point? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I feel like that's a conflicting level of logic with the Eli pick. Yeah, they did give him honorable mention, I see here, Coughlin. But, yeah, I mean, the thing with Coughlin that was always funny to me, it was like I feel like he was on the verge of getting fired before they went on those Super Bowl runs. It was it was just, like, so funny. It's like I just I, I maybe I'm misremembering that, but I feel like remembering at the time that like Giants fans were fed up with Coughlin, they didn't want him around, and then they go on a Super Bowl run. It's like what the heck? Like right. what is going on here? And yeah, I think you have to give it to Peterson. I mean, when you think about it, um, the Eagles are. I think I I was looking. I've been keeping track of this. They're like the only team to go to the playoffs in three straight seasons since like the those early. Um, 2000 Eagles were, you know, like dominant. Are oh, you saying only really NFC good. East team? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he's had like the most success in the NFC East from a historical perspective for a while. And obviously, you know, the Super Bowl right. helps a lot too. So, uh, yeah, I think you have to give again, again, just three straight years in the playoffs. Yeah. That doesn't, in a division where there hasn't even been a repeat winner since the early 2000s, yeah, I think you have to give it to Doug Peterson. Well, and the the quality of the Super Bowl win and the 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 Foles factor and that being attributed so much to him is is yep. again it's it's very 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 uh, very hard to dispute. But again, if we're going off longevity, Jason Garrett, you know, um, and actually that leads me to like, what is your takeaway from this list? Because I have I have one, like your general grandstanding sort of takeaway from all of this. Um, my overall takeaway, I guess, is that. Uh... It's pretty. It's pretty even here, right? From uh, I mean, Washington doesn't get a ton of love. <laughs> um, the Giants get too much love in some spots. I mean, the, the critical spot like Eli Manning. What's your big takeaway? My big takeaway. So I tweeted this. I remember the night the Cowboys lost to the Bears um, on Thursday Night Football, and it was like a list of players, and it was like Tony Romo, Des Bryant, you know, on and on and on. I had this long list. And it was the tweet was like, we are confirming that Jason Garrett just completely wasted the primes of all. And I'm not saying all these guys are Hall of Famers and, you know, maybe some of them are like Witten and Ware and stuff like that. But all these dudes like Travis Frederick just retired. All these dudes played mm -hmm. either all of or a majority of their career under Jason Garrett. And they're such talented players. They're hard talents to find in the draft or free agency, whatever the case may be. And the fact that there's not even an NFC championship game appearance, I hate to put that as the barometer, but is really, 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 really embarrassing and really frustrating that, cause I think the Cowboys have the most players on this list. I think they have 10. Um, and you could argue they should have 11 if, if you give quarterback to Dak or Romo. Um, and again, you can go Wentz there or cousins, like I said, but I mean, the fact that they overwhelm this list from a quantity standpoint and that they have, that there's, you know, there's been two Super Bowl wins in this decade from NFC East teams that neither one were even kind of close to being the Cowboys. And that both of them, by the way, came against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Um, it's just really, really frustrating um, and really upsetting. And that's that's my big takeaway, that Jason Garrett just squandered all of this talent. Yeah, that's the big theory, right, down in Dallas, is that uh, 
it's not been a talent issue as much as it's been a coaching issue. Do you and, agree with that? Just from your perspective perspective? Um, to some extent. Yeah. Uh, I do think the Cowboys have obviously done a good job and especially more so in recent years with player acquisition. I mean, they, they're not having like the gaffes that they used to have with like, right. You know, Roy Williams and like, sure. I don't know, like bring like Marion Barber back maybe for like the 50th time or whatever. Like, I feel like they, they've gotten smarter and better in right. that area. Like I um, haven't, I haven't fully cooked this take, but I think, for example, I think the 2016 Cowboys from a individual standpoint, were more talented than the 2017 Eagles. Um, but but the 2017 Eagles won with such authority and mm-hmm. were so impressive. And the, the difference to me is clearly Jason Garrett versus Doug Peterson. Like that's, you know, I would take Doug Peterson's squad at 50% the talent of Jason Garrett's squad all like 10 out of 10 times, if that makes sense. Interesting. Well, that'll, that'll, that's going to be interesting. That's the big test here. I'm, yeah. So I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see uh, how McCarthy does. Well, um, who wins the division? Actually, no, I'm not going to ask that question. What? How many games do the Cowboys win? That's my question. Um, hmm. So I haven't looked at their. I mean, I don't have their schedule off the top of my head, but I think. Uh, I mean, it's probably around like ten. I th- I think I think the Eagles and Cowboys are still neck and neck. I know that's like a cold right. take or a boring take, but it's just it's usually true, and I don't see why it isn't I mean obviously now you know you look at this Brandon Brooks injury for the Eagles and that's really a big deal and I was kind of already feeling like the Eagles are kind of I think I think this is what applies to both the Eagles and the Cowboys I was talking to a different podcast about this recently I think they're both good but not great teams and I think they have the potential to be great teams I don't think it's impossible that either of them could be among the NFC's elite this year but right now like I wouldn't put them there you know I'm putting like the Saints there um who else in the NFC? Like I'm putting like a, a very select group of teams at the top there. And I just don't think the Eagles and Cowboys deserve to be there right now. They could prove me wrong. They could prove us wrong there. And I think the Eagles and Cowboys are probably both pretty good bets to make the playoffs, especially you know, now that, that there's seven seeds in right. each uh, conference. But I just, I don't think, I don't think the reasonable expectation is that like they're 13 win teams. I agree with that. I do think, if I had to take a division to have multiple playoff teams and you're right now with the, the added wild card that certainly changes things, but the NFC East is, is my pick. I think I believe in the probability of two teams emerging from there more than I even do the NFC West. Um, just cause mm. I think San Francisco probably regresses a little bit. I still certainly believe in Seattle. Um, and I know the NFC South is interesting with Tom Brady now. Um, but like I would take both Dallas and Philly over say green Bay, um, personally. But um, yeah, well, they're going to they're going to regress. Speaking of regression. Yeah, right. Um, my last last question is what would be the most annoying thing from an Eagles standpoint to happen regarding the Cowboys in 2020? <laughs> I think we both know this answer. Um, and like I mean, outside outside of like winning the Super Bowl, et cetera. But like yeah, it's it's DAC right. related, is it not? Um, I don't even I think it's CeeDee Lamb. I think that's really oh, the thing. That's a good Just, point. It has to be just because, you know, there was the thought that the Eagles could get him and, you know, this idea that they couldn't trade up for him, but they could take a quarterback at 53 <laughs> is like, you know, it doesn't really hold up. It's like, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't give away, you know, another pick. We, we had to take a quarterback <laughs> with it, um, especially to depending how Jalen Rager does, you know, if Rager is struggling. Right. If the Lamb, difference is, is, is that blatantly obvious? I agree. Um, yeah. The Jalen Hurts pick was the most annoying thing to happen to the Eagles since what? Um, 
probably the uh, no no clear recovery in 2018 <laughs> the beginning of the game. <laughs> it was just like gaslighting. It's just like a gaslight. It's like we watched the end of last season. We saw Carson Wentz step up. Cowboys fans saw Carson right. Wentz step up as you know the Eagles won the division late in the season. And it was kind of just like erasing all any kind of questions about whose team it is or if Carson's the guy, whatever. Like, and he just so clearly established that. And you can be like, oh, well, he was beating bad NFC's teams. No, nah. yeah, he, he was, but well, he was, but he was doing it with like literally practice squad players as his main guys, so like Greg Ward, Boston Scott, right? Um, you freaking Josh Perkins. Like, it was these are not NFL it, players. <laughs> it was an like this is a harsh way to put it, but it was an exorcism. You know what I mean? Like of yeah. of everything he'd been through to that point individually. And like the 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 take like picking on the Eagles for the Carson Foles factor had like completely dissipated, and yeah. then Howie Roseman said, "What's up?" Oh, even just from the injury standpoint too, it's like it's frustrating. Like imagine you're just Carson Wentz and you, and I could see the frustration when I'm like at the press conferences last off season 2019, and you can just see him just like, and I get it, like because every question is just about. You know, can you stay healthy? What are you doing to prevent injury? Blah, blah, blah. Then he goes out and he starts 17 games. He doesn't really miss any playing time. Mm -hmm. And then because Jadavian Clowney illegally like dives into the back of his head, like now we're having a conversation again that he's injury prone and the Eagles have to start like planning for it. Like it it, it seems so frustrating to me if I was him to be in the spot where like I kind of answer all the questions and now all of a sudden, just because the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts, now we're again, we're talking about how injury prone Carson Wentz is like we mm-hmm. weren't doing that when they re-signed Nate Sudfeld and like Sudfeld is just pretty unproven like no one seemed to be panicking about that when that when he, it was looking like he was going to be the number two and by the way I still think he is going to be the number two at least from the start but because the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts now we have to talk about how Carson Wentz is injury prone again like that just seems it just seems like unfair to me and that's part of sports not everything is fair but it just it just like it seems like a bummer for him no it really is and I think like the falls part of it aside from was it week three, the Sunday night game against Atlanta, when he left uh, and um, Josh McCown came yeah. in? Um, from that moment through the rest of the season, it was super impressive how Carson, you know, managed to, and then ultimately, like, kind of have the playoff game stolen from him uh, mm-hmm. by Clowney. But I, and this is like the non controllable of it all, but the fact that it was Jalen Hurts who, you know, got to, uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. the narrative of it all, like doesn't help. And so, you know, um, but that's interesting. Um, see, and I, maybe that's the most annoying thing. Like if Carson had to miss time and Jalen Hurts balled out, that would be, right. um, I imagine quite annoying, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, well, at least we agreed that Eli Manning, he, he was what the, the, what best quarterback in the NFC East last decade. That's my actual last question. I think it's fifth. Not the best. Fifth okay. is is the ceiling because I I would take those four for sure above him. Romo, Dak, Wentz, and Cousins in whatever order. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, what is who is out there like passionately <laughs> for Eli Manning? I mean, other than you know Giants fans who love you know love his career, whatever the Super Bowl, but like just like you know where the stands. I don't, I don't see those. You know, like I feel like you know every quarterback has like their stands now, right? Especially on Twitter in this day and age. Um, even if they're not a fan of that team, you know, just like quarterbacks that people really like, like who is standing and who really has ever been standing again, except for the obvious like Homer Giants fans for Eli Manning. I I don't see it. And how could you? That's a great point. It's like, um, 
like this is such an easy analogy, but it's like, you know, there are people who love like cookies and cream ice cream or like, like I really like cotton candy flavored mm-hmm. ice cream. And I realize that's a little weird, but like, like nobody's like vanilla's the best flavor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like nobody is like passionately defending that. That's a great point. Right. Um, but you know, whatever. Uh, Brandon, thanks for taking the time to join us. Bleeding Green Nation, BGN Radio. You guys are all over the place kicking ass. Um, you know, look forward to uh, two games this season. Uh, however, that shakes out and um and the weeks that follow i hope they're they're fun for one of us you know what i mean yeah sounds good man uh looking forward to your troll coming up by the way that you yes uh, you got first the bleeding your nation for that yeah thanks for taking the time brandon big time shout out big time thank you to brandon lee gowton for taking the time to join us on twitter at brandon gowton i know he does troll cowboys fans a lot but i promise you he's worth your twitter follow uh there's nobody that covers the philadelphia eagles like brandon he does such a great job so uh once again shout out to blg and bleeding green nation i really enjoyed that exercise and if i'm being fully honest I probably went into it not even questioning the Jason Kelsey and Zach Gertz points. I actually think that those are very, very, very fair points. Um, I I think the Zach Gertz one is more fair. Um, so I would I would fight for Travis Frederick more than I would Jason wouldn't, if that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, either way. Um, how can you have Eli Manning? I just, I mean, and again, the lack of linebackers and corners in the NFC East over the last decade, really is astounding. I do believe that Brandon Carr is among the best cornerbacks to play in the NFC East over the last decade. I know he didn't play the whole decade in the NFC East, um, but man, I just, I what a weird list, ultimately, especially on defense. And I do think, and, and you see this a lot with any kind of you know list or team ranking like that, there is some cheating that happens uh, to sneak in some outside linebackers into the linebacker spot so you can get more edge rushers because those are the dudes that pile up the sack numbers and things like that. But and I'm, I truly don't mean this to sound like a slide against him, but it is kind of amazing, too, that Sean Lee is perhaps the best linebacker to play in the NFC East over the last decade. And I do think that my biggest takeaway, I mean, I know I said it, but is that it's it's proof of, of the talent that Jason Garrett squandered. I, I remember when we recorded the episode after the Cowboys lost to the Bears, and I talked about this then. All the talent, all the players. I mean, you're talking about, I don't know how many people from this last decade will ultimately be in the Cowboys ring of honor. Obviously, Tony Romo, Jason Witten. I think you can make a very strong case for uh, the offensive linemen, Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and Zach Martin. Des Bryant will obviously be in the ring of honor. All And there's a really good case for Dan Bailey, too, and maybe even Sean Lee. But all of those players wasted i mean the, the primes of their career in many cases all of their careers wasted um you know and and that's not to you know drag jason garrett it's just the reality of, you know things were not accomplished and that's unfortunate but uh it is what it is uh what did you think what were your thoughts on the uh, all nfc east team hit me up i'm on twitter and instagram at rj ochoa you can also email me rj.ochoa at sbnation.com make sure to subscribe to the blog and the voice podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts uh, apple devices spotify tune in radio stitcher we're available everywhere and we have some fun stuff in store for you later at the end of this week so Do me a favor. Have the absolute best Wednesday of all time. You know why? Because you deserve it. We will see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out.